Where Nobody Knows Your Name is not filmed in front of a live studio audience. We're back. It's Barry and me. Second part of a two-parter. Finally, here we go. Hello again, James. Hello again. Yes. So this episode starts again with Bill. Bill has returned. Yes, the return of Righteous Brother. In our cold open, Bill has got a little time before his flight out of there. So he decides to pop into Cheers again and have a beer. And everyone is very interested in not only talking to him, but they whip round to buy him a beer together. Yes, yes. <laughs> they split the cost of one beer, for- <laughs> <laughs> which is which is funny. Ask him questions and he's quite gracious about it, you know. Mm. He, he likes hearing from the fans because he thinks that their the exact words he uses are aware of what's going on, and I dig it. I, I sound, that sounded more like Bill Clinton. Um, I apologise, <laughs> um, but yeah, he's very nice with his fans, which is good. Yeah, it feels like the writers there were unwilling to do anything other than let him be get his own message across. Yeah, exactly. that's very much a, a PR move on his part. But they all want to ask questions, but he has to shush them and get, take the one at a time. Yeah, and unfortunately for him, he picks uh, the one person in the bar who has no idea what's going on, uh, which is Woody. Now, what was your question? Oh, oh, Mr. Medley, mm-hmm. uh, how come you change your name from Righteous? <laughs> Do you know why they are called Righteous Brothers? Uh, no, is it guessable? Yeah. Is it religious-based? No. Ah. Is it that in photos they both stand on the right, <laughs> confusingly? One behind the other. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, it's because in their early gigs they played at a lot of venues populated by African-Americans, so they were told by the clientele of these venues that they were some righteous brothers. Ah, very nice. And nice. Right, righteous being slang term for cool. Like right on, almost. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's a that's a nice origin story. It is. Okay, well, uh, that's our cold open. Again, very detached from the episode as a whole, although a nice callback to the previous episode. From then, Rebecca has left a letter at Cheers uh, saying she is on top of the world. They can't read a writing by. It's yeah. Yeah, this uh, causes some debate, doesn't it? Wolb, world. I'm on top of the wolb looking down on... Anyway, (laughs) Sam arrives at Cheers and tells the gang about seeing Robin at Little Bollies with another woman, which, oh, I don't know how I feel about this, Barry. Because he, he goes on to, you know, what his strategy was at Little Bollies. But now... Everyone except Rebecca knows, which is the worst position, you know. Yeah, I, I I put a note down here as well that a secret shared is a reduced burden, it feels. Yes. Maybe he's looking for counsel. Maybe. But it does feel like he's unfairly lumped everyone else with that knowledge and, and unfairly to Rebecca because she's now going to be walking amongst deceit. Yeah, walking in a field of ignorance. <laughs> of yeah, her own ignorance. Sam tells the story of what happened in an interesting, so absolutely on the nail flashback scene with, you know, accompanying saxophone sting, uh, (laughs) wobbly visuals. 
It's always been parodied. Wayne's World flashback, isn't it? Yes. In the flashback, we see that Sam stormed into the women's bathroom where he knew Rebecca was cleaning her blouse and tells other women to leave. I think I handle it pretty smoothly. No, 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 you two can use the door. Why can't I use the door? Are you kidding me? You go out through that door, you know, all that grease on your blouse, one spark, you go up like a Roman candle. Oh, smart idea, smart idea. They're good. They're good. Yeah. It's too small. It's too small. All right, all right. Oh, shoot, don't panic. All right, all right, I got it, I got it. Here, maybe I can squeeze you through here, you know, take off all your clothes and rub the soap all over your body. All right, okay, fine. Plan B. Plan B. Wait, wait. I got it. All right, all right. Put this jacket over your head. Okay. I'll lead you out. All right, good. Sam, that's good. But what about you? Uh, take off your blouse and put it over my head. I don't know. Sam! Come on, quit getting around. Careful, planes. That's where Wow. Great looks and all that Sammy. He never stops, does he, Sam? <laughs> no. He is consistent. We'll give him that. I think that this flashback was superfluous, really. I think they could have all done this whole thing in a couple of lines when she arrives back, which they virtually do anyway. Yeah, but it is amusing. It is amusing. It's interesting that it's the only flashback, and that made it, for me, stand out yeah. a bit too much. He is torn over whether to tell Rebecca or not. Mm. And uh, Rebecca enters, and he's about to tell her, and then Robert enters with a rose, and he wants to give Rebecca, uh, mm. as he doesn't want her to miss a single moment of its bloom. And perhaps, as an element of foreshadowing, she bites the rose, doesn't she? Yeah. Gets a thorn. As you know, much as poison said by every rose has its thorn. Yes. Yeah. Just as every cowboy has its song. Yeah. Um, although the two aren't related. <laughs> um, there's a strange moment in this. Yeah. When Robin enters the bar. Yes. He talks. He makes a greeting that... I, I was trying to work this out. I had subtitles on, and I don't think the subtitles, I think they were auto-generated. So mm-hmm. he speaks in what I can only imagine is some variation on egg language or something egg similar. language. Have you, have you ever heard egg language? No, no, no. Uh, now, I may get this wrong because there's a few variations of this, but the the egg language is where you put the word egg in space of every vowel. Oh, is this is this Cliff? Um who says well, no, something? No, no, it's 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 as uh, Robin walks into the room. He says oh. something. I cannot determine what it was he said, and even the subtitles make it sound like it's a. Well, no, I know, I know. Cliff says something in Pig Latin. And what does he say? Ixne imile. Ah, and what what's that mean? Stop, English person. Ah, okay. Ixne amise the imile. Ah, and so what? What's that's. Pig language. Pig Latin. Ixne means no or stop. Ami say, Sam. Aimile, uh, limey, an English person. Ah, there you go. Thank you, James, for clearing up that uh, strange little moment for me. Oh, my goodness, James. That that was two minutes of my life absolutely uh, wasted. Robin comes in, offers the rose. Rebecca cuts a lip on the rose, disappears, at which point Robin offers... Uh, Sam, mm-hmm. a, a deal for his discretion. Mm. Oh. He's without shame, isn't he, Robin? Yes. Um, he exists in a world possibly due to being a billionaire 
that entirely satisfies his own ends. Mm-hmm. He offers Sam the bar for yes. his silence, oh. but he actually makes a very good point, mm-hmm. um, which harks back to the previous episode at the beginning, that him and Sam are very similar. Yes. And he's not wrong. This was definitely highlighted in the first part, and mm. finally part one, yeah. Sam is a rogue. He is a, a man who will see two women at once and deceive them about it. Yeah. So actually, Robin makes a good point. They are the same. The only difference is, uh, as Sam says himself, is that Rebecca is his friend and he's protective. Yeah, and Sam, I think it's also exacerbated by the fact that Rebecca and Robin have been dating for a while. So there's an implied dedication and commitment to solely that one person, whereas Sam does not seem to have a prolonged courtship. Well, maybe as a general rule, but there are episodes where he does. Yes. Um, Particularly the very creepy one where an old flame comes back with her daughter Uh and he tries to date both of them. And he obviously had. Well, he tries to date both of them, but he doesn't date both of them because the daughter doesn't think it's a date. (laughs) No, but it's obviously had a sustained relationship with the mother while the daughter was very young Mm. because he became a father figure to her. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think there's a lot of commonality between the way Robin acts and the way Sam acts. And Sam accepts the deal for the bar, but he does write a note to himself on a napkin. (laughs) Yeah. I feel bad. I feel bad. (laughs) It's almost the message in a bottle, isn't it? The relieving oneself of one's sins by putting it out there into the ether. I'm sure there's there's a psychological... There's a cathartic element to it. And also, if anyone asked him about it, he goes, no, I felt bad about it. Look, (laughs) I wrote a note telling myself I felt bad. Psychological throwing of one's guilt into the ether. (laughs) Yep, exactly. Straight into the ether it goes. Next day, Rebecca happily welcomes customers while singing quite, uh, I think you use the word angelic. Um, She sings it quite angelically. You've lost that loving feeling. Mm. She has also hired Elaine to play it on the harp. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, which is extravagant. And leads to a nice exchange between Cliff and uh, Elaine. Does anybody give me a hand with this? Uh, well, yeah, yeah, I'd be happy to. I wonder if you know that the uh, harp here is the grandfather of modern-day guitar. Yeah, it seems that the early minstrels were much larger people. Never mind. Uh, I'll look at myself. Huh? Yeah, look at yourself. Yeah, the, uh, the hands the size of small dogs. Cliff can't read the room. No. <laughs> Woody uses it as an egg slicer. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, lovely. I, I, if I was that uh, heart player, I wouldn't. I'd want to wash my hands <laughs> after that. Rebecca's also replaced beer nuts with candy hearts, and which leads to a, a lovely joke between Norm and Woody. Yeah, come on, Sammy, put us out of our misery. Yeah, right? Sammy, come on. She's taking to replacing the beer nuts with these little candy hearts that say, "Hold me, I'm yours, lovey dovey." Hey, free beer. <laughs> Oh, no, Mr. Peterson, fool me once. (laughs) A lovely Woody moment. Everything is done with uh, such good humour with Woody, isn't it? It is. I also like how Woody's talking to Sam about this moral debate. And he said, Woody has always considered Sam one of his heroes because he always looks out for his friends. He, He doesn't like how Sam is obsessed with his looks or the way he treats women. 
because that's kind of silly. But how he looks after his friends has always made him uh, a hero. And with that element gone, you'll have to go back to his former hero, St. Thomas Aquinas. <laughs> yeah, it's a really strange choice. So a, a philosophical uh, founder of church rules. <laughs> or Sam Malone. <laughs> Rebecca comes out and she's making quite the big decision yes. uh, to lease her flat out because she thinks she'll move in with Robin. Yes, yeah, the logical next step, isn't it, Barry? Y- yeah. Logical step for Rebecca in terms of she believes it's the next logical step. Yes. She's very, very much getting swept away, isn't she? Yeah. And, and it's worth noting that Robin cancelled their plans for that evening because he had what he referred to as a board meeting, which might go on all night. Yes, as as obviously board meetings do. Yeah. Because of this new information of Rebecca leasing flat, Sam can't hold it back anymore. Sam finally tells her that Robin is meeting another lady tonight and Rebecca thinks he's jealous. And Sam even tells her about the bar offer too, um, which Sam feels good about, telling the truth, although Carla uh, is annoyed with him that he didn't lie for the bar. Well, she would be, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but Rebecca leaves, and the next scene is is her literally catching Robin in the action. Or well, she's waiting in the limo, and then Robin and Christine Davy uh, arrive at the limo. How does she get in the limo? I mean, doors. Uh, yeah, I, mean, I appreciate that. <laughs> that sounded really condescending, <laughs> and, and it was. Um, <laughs> but I, I will counter your condescension with uh, the idea that I'm sure the limo driver generally has an eye on who is in or around the limo. I thought you meant Christine. Uh, uh, no. <laughs> uh, Rebecca is already in. And if the limo driver has any sort of nous about him, he would have gone, hang on, this might cause a problem. You're the other one. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't have a date with you this evening. Although who knows what Robin has been up to in the past and maybe he is told to ignore all events happening in the back. Maybe Maz is just sick of his nonsense. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Because he is named, isn't he? So, yes, Rebecca's in the back of the limo. Another woman and Robin enter and cue a bit of angry back and forth, which Robin is totally unfazed by. They've nailed his character, haven't they, in in terms of being so above the rest of the world that it's trifling problems don't concern him. Exactly. What I also liked was Robin admits that he believes in the one, he just hasn't found her yet. <laughs> and uh, he's narrowed it down to those two and a chargé d'affaires, the French consulate. What I liked about this is twofold. One, Christine Davy just goes, no, I want no part of this ruse or whatever. I'm out uh, in a different accent. But she just leaves. And there was strength there, which I liked. And also the fact that Rebecca and Christine aren't angry at each other. They're solely angry at Robin, which I also liked. Mm. There is a little snide remark from Rebecca, but it's more of a... She sees it as her problem, I think. Mm. As, as you would. Sorry, to her, Christine is is the new lady. She's new to this, but she could have been there for a lot longer. Yes. So to Rebecca, it's her and Robin's problem, and this other mm-hmm. woman is the interloper. Rebecca tolerates it, but she wants Robin to decide. Mm. However, she's also willing to wait for this decision. And there's a really moving scene just after this. It is. And actually, I'd, I'd say 
is is a scene perfectly designed to Rebecca or, or yeah. the actress's strengths or actor's strength, I should say. Kirstie Alley's strengths. <laughs> yeah, she is superb in this scene. A real range, yeah. both emotional, her sort of initial breakdown, and hilarious. It, it's such a good scene for her. It's it's the one where, with Sam. She goes back to the bar and she describes it to Sam and Sam goes, Sam, oh, come on. something worth having is worth fighting for. No, you sold out. I absolutely did not sell out. I merely entered a fair contest where the payoff would satisfy any woman's wildest dreams. You really believe that? I believe every single word. <laughs> oh, boy. What am I going to do? I feel so cheap and so used, I think. Oh, God, Sam, I can't do this to myself. I'm going to have to break it off with Robin. What's the right thing to do? Oh, God, why do I feel so miserable? It's never the right thing unless you do feel miserable. I know. And it's heartbreaking. (laughs) It is, but even more heartbreaking that despite this realisation, the episode ends with her continuing this fallacy. Yeah. Which actually speaks the truth in a lot of us, that we are f- fallible. It's it's the idea of something like an addiction, like a gambling addiction, that it's innate. Some of these problems are innate to us and actually breaking them is much more than a realisation. Yeah. What happens is that Robin shows up with a diamond necklace, bracelet. Yeah diamond ring thing it doesn't really matter it's got diamonds is the important (laughs) i'm definitely sam in this scenario (laughs) and she refuses it and he goes you're stronger than i thought you were rebecca the french consulate would have taken that necklace right out of the second thought this definitely puts you in the lead and then she goes to sam i'm winning and runs after robin yeah, and there's a similar moment. So the the two, she's presenting a face to Robin and Sam is behind her and there's the occasional turn around to Sam to show her real feelings as she's trying to be strong. And those are wonderful. The, her reaction to the diamond bracelet, which she's just flat out refused and then turns around to Sam and goes, it's gorgeous. <laughs> yep. Yeah, she shows real range in this this segment, doesn't she? And that's how the episode ends, with her more aware of the situation. But she's continuing to date Robin, but it's it's yeah, it's a difficult situation. And I think prior to this two parter, there were maybe issues with the relationship, but it was a more naive and happy place because mm. they hadn't consummated, you know. Yeah. And there's an element of truth to this in that when we're younger, we we see love as love and, you know, it's very sort of emotionally driven. And as we get older, there is an element of life and support. And and the fact that he's a billionaire is a draw. The idea that you are then not only set for life, but also existing in this sphere that would never be obtainable to you in any other way is going to be a draw. And so from that sense, her concession to his ways is more forgivable yeah it's a tough tough thing this life in him yeah (laughs) i I could have i could have serenaded the odd billionaire if i could have got near to them (laughs) but the restraining order won't let you no it is a, a strange thing isn't it to search i don't think she's actively searching love because of the money but certainly that's going to be one of his selling points well as as the beatles once said money can't buy me love 
It can only buy diamond necklaces. <laughs> yeah, it can buy a willing existence yeah. for a long time. Yeah. What a way to uh, summarise the episode. Mm. The but, cast in this episode. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, who are we talking about this, this uh, week, James? Roger Reese as Robin Colcord, Bill Medley as Bill Medley, Valeria Karasek as Christine Davy. She also appeared in Days of Our Lives, Simon and Simon, Perry Mason, The Case of the Defiant Daughter, Predator 2, Homicide Life on the Street, Species 2, Hearts in Atlantis, and more. Gilbert Gillion as Will, Alan Cost as Alan, Carol Robbins as Elaine. She also appeared in Hotline, The Cowboy, and The Ballerina, and Night Mother. Phil Pullman is uncredited as Phil. Some of these titles, they do make me laugh. Night Mother. <laughs> is, is that a... Is that good night, mother? Yeah. Oh, right. Okay. No, the way you spoke it, it sounded like night, mother. That's Cliff with the trivia. Did he deliver it with a Latin greeting, James? Yeah, I didn't understand what you're saying, Barry. <laughs> Don't speak Latin, Cliff. Leave. Carte or something. Yeah. But as usual, before we open our letters, we have to give a shout out to our norms on Patreon. So this goes out to Treb Curry. If you want that special norm treatment, then check out our Patreon page for that and so much more. So facts, James. Let's see. The cost of Bill's beer is split by the gang. How much do they pay each? Now, it was something much lower than I thought. So it was something like eight cents or something. Six cents. Oh, six cents. That's a cheap beer, but I guess we are talking a long time ago. <laughs> a long time ago in a country far away. Mm. I was talking to my parents about their wages when they were buying their first houses, which was would have been the 70s. And I was amazed by at least sort of 120th of the average wages now, which is amazing, really, an amazing change in just 50 years. When Sam is wondering what to do the right thing, Woody tells a story. Are you able to recant that story to me, James? I don't know. I can't recant it verbatim, but I know it's about he had a cousin called Skeeter mm. whose girlfriend cheated on him. The girlfriend, they were underneath bleachers or something, and Woody saw uh, Skeeter's girlfriend with uh, Laird Danielson. Laird Danielson, yeah. Yes. What a name, Laird. Is that a, an extrapolation of Lord? Um, I don't know. It's 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 a, it feels like a Scottish word, layered. Mm. Yeah. At the Kiwanis dance. Yes, well done, James. That was almost spot on. I give you half a point because <laughs> it wasn't quite there. <laughs> <laughs> what name does Sam call himself for dealing with the Robin situation? He describes himself with a specific nickname. Oh, I don't know. Go on. Daddy Cool. Oh, really? Yeah, either because he was very chill or because he's crazy like a fool. Oh, I have a friend whose uh, nickname is Daddy, <laughs> um, uh, which gets very confusing when you talk to people and you say, Daddy uh, was out last night. <laughs> Would you like a pint, Daddy? <laughs> so Daddy, well, I went to visit Daddy once and as, <laughs> as I was pulling up to his house, uh, and again, even this is very much along the lines of Darling in uh, Blackadder. It's a very funny name, regardless of what you do with it. But as I was pulling up to Daddy's house, um, I could hear Daddy Cool playing at full volume and see him dancing around the living room. <laughs> Sometimes the nicknames become more than the name. They do. The prophecy was fulfilled. <laughs> mm. 
In her love-struck frivolity, just before revealing the harp, Rebecca is talking to two fairly grumpy-looking patrons, a couple. Uh, What does she recommend for them that evening? Two hot toddies and a walk along the Charles? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, very good. How special time, I think, has been written for us. Two hot toddies, walk along the Charles. Delightful. Hand in hand. Yeah. Well, this is a lovely way for Barry and I to end this two-parter. We're going to be going on these romantic walks along the Charles, but um, we'll be back next week to talk about another episode. We'll see you then, everyone. (laughs) 